0: Well, I shared a few weeks ago about uh, a couple of city and I met when we were in Hungary back in the late 80s. A number of years later, we were back in Hungary for a, a whole year. Um, we're part of a team with crew that uh, was seeking to establish a ministry on a college campus in a, the town of Debrecen, which is the second largest city in Hungary towards the eastern part of the country. And uh, earlier in our, early in our time there, I traveled back into Budapest by train with our team leader, and he was going to be there for some meetings. My job was to get a big old box of supplies and materials that we would need for the year. And, uh, and so since he had to stay, I was heading back by myself. Now, the problem with traveling back by myself was, one, the ladies that work at the ticket booth do not speak English, and two, uh, we were very new in our time there, and I didn't speak Hungarian. And so I bought a ticket, and I got on a train, but I had absolutely no confidence <laughs> whether I was on the right train or not and they have these trains that are fast that don't have a bunch of stops and they have others that stop at every town I got on one of these slow trains and so it literally was like three hours of stress from the moment we pulled out of the train station till finally I realized okay I got on the right train it was so stressful I felt so alone stressed I mean this was if I went the wrong place I didn't have a cell phone to call anyone or anything so it was very stressful you know what made all the difference for me that day there would have been someone in the train station who spoke English and knew how the trains worked, who could help me buy the ticket and assure me that I got on the right train, that would have transformed my day. I probably would have had a, three hours, just a great nap, um, but I didn't have that. What I experienced that day in Hungary, I think in some way is kind of a metaphor for how we experience life sometimes, right? We're, we're faced with issues, we're faced with situations, we're faced with decisions, an opportunity. Should I go this way or that way? What's the right thing to do? Am I on the right track? And sometimes we don't know, and and we're full of stress and anxiety about, are we heading the right way? Are we doing the right thing? And we can feel very alone and stressed by this. Well, here's the good news. Um, We are not alone, and there is someone who wants to speak to our situation because God is a God who communicates. This will be truth you know, but this is a reminder today. God is a God who communicates with us. He does not leave us alone in this world. He's here and communicating. And this is a truth that we'll see in Deuteronomy chapter 18 today as we continue to make our way through the book of Deuteronomy. As we come to this passage, just a a reminder, Deuteronomy is, you know, the setting is the nation of Israel is preparing to head into the the promised land. And so Moses is communicating some things about you know, the way leadership structure is going to work, the way the religious life will be expressed, all this kind of stuff. He, he's setting them up for life in the land. And one of the things that people knew was that when they got into the land, Moses would not be with them any longer, right? He was prohibited from going in as well. And so uh, a very real question from them is, how are we going to continue to hear from God? Because Moses, our leader, the one who is, you know, met face to face with God, he's not going with us. So how are we going to hear from God? How would we stay on the right track? And Moses is assuring them in this passage that they will not be alone, that God will continue to lead and to communicate with them. And so we're going to focus on chapter, or, you know, chapter 18, verses 15 through 19, but I want to start reading in verse 9 because it sets the, the context of uh, what Moses will say here. So I'm going to start reading in chapter 18, verse 9. Moses says, "...when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations." There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire, one who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft, or one who interprets omens, or a sorcerer, or one who casts a spell, or a medium, or a spiritist, or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord, and because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless. Before the Lord your God. For those nations which you shall dispossess, listen to those who practice witchcraft and to diviners. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do so. The nations living in the land that they would dispossess, that they would drive out, they, they practice all sorts of things, trying to connect to the unseen world to try to get information. And, and the one who does such things, God says, that, that one is detestable. And it's because of these very practices, God says, that, that I'm driving these nations out of the land, that I'm dispossessing them. And Israel is not allowed to follow those, these practices. And, and they didn't need to because God is going con- to continue to be committed to communicate everything that they needed through his appointed messengers. And so that's what he goes on to talk about in verse 15. Moses continues, he says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from, among, from your countrymen. You shall listen to him. You don't listen to the witchcraft and the diviners. You shall listen to him. God's going to continue to communicate. And he says he'll raise up a prophet like me. He'll raise up a prophet like Moses. And if you've read through the end of Deuteronomy, you know in chapter 34, there's a statement that says, after Moses, there was no prophet like Moses who talked to God face to face. And so in what way would these prophets be like Moses? Well, they would be like him in the fact that they would still have this mediator role between God and the people. They would would communicate with God. God would speak to them. They would have clear messages from God. God would continue to communicate his will and his ways through the prophets. They would be like Moses in that way. And so Moses says, you shall listen to him. And to listen means not just to hear the words, of course, it means to obey, right? Listen and and obey. Now, what Moses is promising here has both a near fulfillment to his original readers and it has a, a distant fulfillment as well. Ultimately, the distant fulfillment of who this prophet would be came to be understood as, as Christ. As this is actually talking about Christ. He's the ultimate fulfillment of this prophet who would be like Moses. And we'll get back to that later. But the near fulfillment is that once Israel enters a land, God would continue to raise up prophets through whom he would speak. And, and the sense of the text here is not just a prophet, but a series of prophets that he would continue to send to his people. In verse sixteen, Moses talks about how this this role of the prophet arose, and it happened as the nation was coming out of slavery, coming out of Egypt, nearly forty years earlier. And God appeared and He spoke to them at Mount Horeb, and and Horeb is another name for Mount Sinai. And so, in verse sixteen, Moses says, "This is according to all that that you asked of the Lord your God in Horeb on the day of the assembly, saying." Let me not hear again the, the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore or I will die. If you go back to chapter 19 of Exodus, we read about this, this day of this assembly. And, and this is when God gave them the Ten Commandments, entered into the covenant with the nation of Israel. And on that day, it says that Moses called the people out of the camp and they came and they stood at the foot of the mountain. They stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and, and uh, the mountain was all in smoke. And God, it says, it came down, he came down in fire and the, the mountain quaked violently. And there was a sound of a trumpet that grew louder and louder. And it says that Moses spoke and God answered him in thunder. And, and the people were terrified. They were terrified of this experience. I mean, can you imagine? standing in front of a mountain and experiencing that. And And they basically then say, we cannot continue to hear the voice of the Lord this way. We cannot continue to watch these kinds of things, or we will die, kind of this collective, I will die. And so God responds, it says in verse 17, the Lord said to me, they have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth. And he shall speak to them all that I command him. You know, the first part of 18 is really just restating what Moses said in verse 15. Um, but the thing that's added here is how this prophetic endeavor, how, how it would function, how it would work. And God says of the prophet, "I will put my words in his mouth. It'll be God's words that He will put in his mouth. The, the true prophet didn't just like come up with his best ideas, great ideas, things like that. No, he, God put his very words in his mouth, and that's what he would speak. And, and so he would hear from God, and he would speak all that God commanded him. And we know from Old Testament history, God was faithful to this promise, Right. Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Elijah, God raised up prophets from among them and he put his word in, in their mouth and, and God commu- continued to communicate even though Moses was no longer in the picture. God is a God who communicates. And so since he communicates, he, he gives us warning in verse 19. It says, And it shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words Which he shall speak in my name; I myself will require it of him. And the point is that if God is communicating His truth, if He's communicating His ways, His will through the prophets, then to not listen to the prophet is rebellion against God. If you don't listen, it's God's word; you're not listening to it, so it's it's disobedience. And he says, I, "I myself will require it of him." In a sense, they they will be accountable for their disobedience. And, and we know, of course, that eventually the nation of Israel stopped listening to God's messengers, and that's why they were carried into captivity. But God gives them this warning. So this God is a God who communicates, and so we should listen. They needed to listen. We should listen. And so, as, as we look at these short ver- this short passage, I think the. Here's how I would say kind of the timeless principle. God communicates with his people through his appointed means. God is God who communicates. God communicates with his people, but it's through his appointed means. Every means is not God's appointed means. So I want to look at kind of the two parts of this, this statement and think about it a little bit. God communicates with his people. He spoke through Moses. As we read in this passage, God would raise up other prophets. To lead and to guide the people, Hebrews one says this uh, about the New Testament age: it says God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days, has spoken to us in His Son. And so, Jesus was a message from God. He spoke to us through Christ. After Jesus ascended back to heaven, God sent apostles out into the, to the world to proclaim truth, right? To proclaim the message of Christ. And uh, Romans four, uh, 15, 4 says, what they taught was written down for our instruction. God is a God who communicates with his people. God is a God who communicates with you. You are not left alone in this world. You do not have to try to figure out life on your own. You don't have to hope that you're on the right train of life, so to speak. God communicates. Do you believe that? God communicates with you. And, and he's, I mean, he's demonstrated his commitment to that through history, right? That he is a communicating God through history. He has demonstrated that commitment. And so as you move through this life, whatever you're facing, hold on to that truth. You are not alone. You have a Father in heaven who loves you, who is a God who communicates with with his people. He didn't just create this world and then sort of leave you to figure it all out on your own. He's present. He's active. He is a God who communicates to his people. That is good news. That is good news for us. Now, let me, let me say this about kind of from our vantage point, how we're motivated to hear from God. I would venture to say that, that most often we are most Eager to hear from God when when we face specific situations, when we have specific challenges, decisions to make, you know, should I should we move? Should we take this job? Should I ask this person to marry me when we face these kind of things? I mean, these are big, important life situations. And a lot of times those are the things where we are the most motivated to hear from God. Right. We get real serious about seeking God when we face those specific situations. And I believe with all my heart, God wants to speak into those situations. I believe He wants to give us wisdom and and leadership and guidance in all those situations. But I think we miss the point of God's communication if we only seek Him in those times, if we only seek Him for specific issues. See, I think the heart of God's communication is through history to his people is a more general kind of communication that is, a, is truth that applies to all people at all times. And it's vital communication that God has given to us. God's general communication, his general truth that he has revealed throughout history, uh, it's critical about these, you know, as we try to discern specific situations. But, but this general truth, it reveals who God is and how we know him. This general truth reveals how I can please God. This general truth reveals what God's kingdom is like and how we're to live in that kingdom in a way that honors God. And so we need to make sure that at the heart of our listening to a God who communicates, it's not just about the specific stuff, it's this general truth that he's communicated to us. And I would suggest that if we do that well, it will have great bearing on our specific situations that we're trying to discern what he's saying to us. Let me give you an example. Last week, if you were here, uh, Steve's message was on God's heart for the poor. We looked at Deuteronomy and God's compassion for the poor. And, and, and so that's why this, this Four Manhattan effort is, is going on. And so, you know, over and over again, God has communicated that this is a concern of his, that he has a concern for the poor. We don't have to doubt about, doubt about that, right? I mean, this is general truth that God has revealed. It's timeless truth. It's true for all of us. And so we know that general truth. Now, let's suppose later this week uh, you get a bunch of mailings in in the mail, and you get a communication from uh, Compassion International and from World Vision and food from the Hungry, and you've got your four Manhattan envelope there, and you've got so you've got I mean you've got a specific situation, a decision to make. But as you look at that, your starting point is should you don't you don't have to start with like should I even care about this? You know from what God has generally revealed. Of course you should care about this. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to respond to these specific things, but, but you have a certain vantage point. You have a certain perspective, a starting point, because you know what God has generally revealed about his heart for the poor, and that guides you as you think about it, as you pray about it, right? So I think that's how God's general truth can speak into specific situations that we face. And so we need to pay attention to, to everything that God is saying, both the general and the, and the specific. God is a God who communicates. God is a God who communicates with his people. He's demonstrated through history. God communicates with you. So we should listen. We should listen. I want to think about the second part of the principle, and that is that God has appointed means through which he communicates. God has appointed means through which he communicates. If we want to hear from God, we need to utilize his appointed means. We need to pursue him through these things. This passage in Deuteronomy 18, it offers a very strong warning to the nation of Israel that is just as relevant for us in our day. When I read through that list of Deuteronomy, the practices that God calls detestable, it's as if nothing has changed in our day, right? Divination, witchcraft, sorcery, casting spells, mediums, spiritists, calling up the dead. These things are still around. These things are still around. And these are things that that people will continue to try to pursue to break into the spiritual realm to seek information and guidance and and power and these kinds of things. We are to stay far away from them. In the New Testament, in in Paul's list of vices, works of the flesh in Galatians 5.20, he lists sorcery there. And so the Old Testament and, and New Testament consistently forbid these kinds of things because they are not God's appointed means For communicating with us. And so if you're dabbling in any of this kind of stuff, you are on dangerous ground. These things are detestable to God. These things do not get you in touch with God. Rather, they open you up to a spiritual realm that is absolutely opposed to God and His ways. And so we need to stick to God's appointed means. So what are God's appointed means? Well, I mentioned earlier that the statement in Deuteronomy eight fifteen had a distant uh, fulfillment, and that distant fulfillment was came to be understood as Christ. Christ is the prophet that God would raise up, like Moses. And so, Jesus Himself is God's means of communicating. And, and we see this understanding of this passage in Deuteronomy when, when we come into the New Testament. And, and there's a number of places you could look. But one example is in Acts 3, and Peter is preaching a message. There, he has healed a man, and he's explaining that it's the risen Christ that has brought about the healing that this, this man has experienced. And so in that message, Jesus says that, or Paul, Peter says this about Jesus. Verse, uh, Acts 3, verse 21 says, Jesus, whom heaven must receive... Until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time, Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And and likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days. And so Peter understood that the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18.15 was Christ. He was the ultimate fulfillment of that. And so the, the warning in Deuteronomy 18 is ultimately a warning about Jesus. We, he, you know, we need to heed that prophet. We need to listen to that prophet. Jesus is God's appointed means to communicate. We need to listen to him. Through Jesus, God has communicated how we know God. He's communicated how we can live a life that, that's fruitful and that honors and pleases God. He's communicated what matters in eternity. If we want to hear God, we need to pay attention to the one who's the fulfillment of Deuteronomy chapter 18, Jesus. We need to follow him. We need to walk after him as a disciple and, and let him teach us. We need to teach. We, we need to, to learn about his, who he is, his life, and what he reveals, and we need to look at his teachings in them we find about the Father, we find about life, we find about the kingdom and love. If we miss Jesus, we miss God's core communication to us. Jesus is God's appointed means. Now, how do we get to know Jesus? Well, at the, at the heart of how we get to know Jesus is God's word. Uh, he's given us his word to to communicate. And so the scriptures are God's appointed means by which he communicates to us about Christ. Do you remember the account after Jesus' resurrection? There were the two men, they were on the, the road to Emmaus, and they were trying to sort out the recent happenings. These were men that believed in Jesus, hoped in Jesus, but then he was crucified, and, and, and yet they'd heard this, this amazing story that some women had an angel appear to them telling them that Jesus was no longer dead but alive, but none of this was confirmed yet for them, and Jesus shows up and starts to travel with them, and the scriptures talk about how they were kind of veiled, they didn't understand it was Jesus, but then this is what Luke writes about that encounter. He says, Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he, Jesus, explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Jesus himself used the scriptures to reveal himself. Scripture is God's means to communicate about Christ. Most of you are f- very familiar with 2 Timothy 3 that says, "...all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for correction." or for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man and woman of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. And that that word inspired is God breathed. I mean, this is, the the scripture is God's communication to us. If you want to hear from God, then get to know Jesus. And the way we get to know Jesus is through the revealed word. This is God's appointed means to communicate with us. Now, having said that, I think there's there's more that could be said that we, we really don't have time to talk about. But um, you know, God has given us His Holy Spirit to to live within us, and and He guides us, He leads us. God God leads us through His Spirit. God gives gifted people to the um, to the church to teach and to to guide and lead, and God speaks to us through those people, the body of Christ. As we interact with one another, God speaks through other people to us, right? In the family of God, we pray. Um, it means all these things that are part of how God communicates with us but here's the deal it is all centered and rooted on wisdom from the scripture God will never communicate through any of these other avenues in ways that are inconsistent with his word everything starts with the word it's not the only way he communicates but that's where it starts and it's always guided by his revealed word to us God is a God who communicates with his people through his appointed means. Let me me finish with this thought. I don't know if you know what this is or if you can read it from back there, but uh, those with good eyesight back there see it says shop vac on the top. This is my owner's manual for my shop vac, right? Y'all have your owner's manuals for your shop vac somewhere? Do you know when I read this? Never, really. Um, the only time I would read this is when I need to figure out the new filter I need to buy or, or something like that or buy a replacement part, right? That's what an owner, owner's manual is like. You go to it when you have a specific issue, a specific problem. I look at my car manual a lot more than my, my shop back manual. I probably can throw this away after today. But that's what owner's manuals are like. This, on the other hand, this is a letter from my dad that he wrote to me um, January 20th, 1985, and uh, this is a very different kind of communication. Dad wrote this. Uh, this was uh, so I was a junior in college, and this was a couple of weeks after Cindy, who's now my wife, had came out to visit my family for the very first time. And so, in this letter, of course, Dad starts with a few comments about the Super Bowl that he just watched, but uh, then he goes on and uh, just shares some of his thoughts about Cindy and about our relationship. And uh, some of that, but then he goes on to other things, some, some thoughts and encouragement about school and, and some other things about them being proud of me and, and that kind of thing. This is a very different kind of communication, and I've kept this, and I read it once in a while because this is a, da- a note from my dad. And see, I think how we look at what we have here will really affect how we engage this, right? If this is primarily an owner's manual then there's not a lot of need for it until I'm faced with some kind of specific issue. And then we'll go to it. We'll go to it hard then. And it it does do that. The Scriptures do give us wisdom for specific issues. But I think what we have here is a lot more like a letter from a father who's sharing his heart with us, who's giving guidance to us, who's expressing his love to us through what he has written my hope is that for us, knowing that that we have a God who communicates with His people through His appointed means, that we would see this as like a letter from our Father. And that we would live a kind of life where we don't just come to this occasionally when we need some specific wisdom for a certain situation, but we would have this lifestyle of coming and listening to the God who's communicating to us, His general truth about life, that we would grow in wisdom about these things because we are the kind of people that regularly come and sit at the Father's feet to hear from Him, because He is a good Father who communicates with us. He communicates with you through His appointed means. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for the truth that as we make our way through this world, that we are not alone, that we have a Father in heaven who is intimately involved, and You have demonstrated through history Your great commitment to communicate to your people in your appointed ways. And so, God, may we be a people that listen. May we be people that come and hear what you're saying to us, what you've said and what you are saying to us. And So, Father, help us to order our days in ways that lets us do that. We thank you. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you are God who speaks. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.